I just want to share um, a couple of scriptures and then we'll, then we'll finish. It's just, a, like I said, it's a sort of a special Sunday this morning. I just want to really um, give room for, God, for people to hear the expression, you know, there's power in people's testimonies, isn't there? Who was blessed by all those testimonies? And I'm telling you now, there will be more to come. Um, we've just begun and th- this is why we're so excited because we've actually got the mentorship happening now. And so all the people that just did DMS will actually now for the next six months be mentored and nurtured and nourished, really, and protected. And I think this is the thing that's always been missing. That's been the missing element of DMS. I go into a city or to a place, and it's like putting the defibrillator, I don't even know if that's how you say it, um, onto someone's chest, and bang, they come alive. And it's like, whoa, I'm awake, I'm alive. And then I just walk out, and I forget to leave the aftercare. You know, like I'm the doctor that comes in and does opens up their hearts, goes in, digs out the stuff, does the surgery, and there's amazing things happen. But, you know, people come out of uh, Holy Spirit surgery, they need people to walk with them to make sure that they can get back into normal life and and learn how to live properly with these new aspects in their hearts. And so that's what this mentorship is all about. And it's been amazing uh, just to see how even excited people are for that to come about. So watch this space. We will definitely be having more testimonies um, as we go along, which will be amazing. I just want to touch on um, just one scripture, and I actually mentioned this yesterday in DMS, and I really, I, I could sense it in, in, the, in, in the worship in, amongst people, and that is um, Proverbs 13, verse 12, where it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And uh, I, I've seen for, for a long time now that Hope, when, when we live without hope, it's a, it's a devastating place to be. And I always like to say that with Christians, what we often do is we try really hard to have faith. We try really hard to, uh, we think that we have to, you know, ex- we, have, we have to create more faith or fill more faith. Um, but the Bible actually says in Hebrews 11 verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. So in other words, faith has to work together with hope. And it says that faith is the substance of the thing that we hope for. And when we hope, we're meant to see it on the inside. We desire it. There's a desire on the inside. And then the faith is actually the evidence of the thing that is not yet seen in the natural It's not yet experienced in our lives, but it is hoped for on the inside. So in actual faith, in fact, faith is the thing that's the easiest thing because faith is trusting that Jesus can do it. I think most of us in here believe when we read the Gospels, we believe Jesus can do anything, yeah? The real issue is so many of us, and um, forget people who don't know the Lord, Christians alone find it very hard to have hope and to see things God's way. And, um, And so... I believe that hope often is the issue. And I think, you know, we heard that in one or two of the testimonies today. You know, humans um, will do anything to have hope. Yeah? Uh, People can't live without hope. We can't live without hope. Living without hope is actually not living. Uh, We heard Amanda earlier say that she lost hope and she went numb. She actually lost lost feelings. And I don't even want to ask for a hand raised because I know that there would be hands in here today that would identify with that and say yes I've been at that in fact I know my husband alone has been in that place and um, because of his uh, the sheer trauma of his upbringing and having to live out um, 
you know, as an adult to walk free from that sort of trauma um, and then to, to, to pastor a church, like I keep saying, that will test every, every area of your life. It will test every aspect of your life. And, um, you know, in the end, we realize we actually only do have Jesus, Brahm and I. He is the love of our lives. He is the center of our being. He is the authority over our marriage, over our lives, over our decision-making process and over this church. He actually is the senior pastor of this church. If you really want to know, Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. But we know, and I've seen it even with Brahm, that living without hope is actually not living. And the, but the problem is when we try to fulfill the desire in our own way and we don't do it in God's way. And so often we, we try and see desire to be fulfilled. It's like human beings are on this pursuit all the time of trying to have desire fulfilled so that we can feel like we're experiencing the tree of life. And uh, it was great during the week, Ben shared on worship and he talked about how people replace worshipping the creator with worshipping um, creation and how people look to things around them to fulfill that need when in fact it's the creator who will fulfill, truly fulfill that need in our lives. So when we do DMS, the Destroy Me School, <laughs> it's all about going to the root of our sick hearts, yeah, and allowing God to show us how we are satisfying our desires without him. And you might sit here and think, well, I'm fine. I don't actually have a sick heart. But you'll be amazed, and I think you've heard it in the testimonies today. Um, highly intelligent, highly skilled people, highly educated people, 50 of us sitting in this room all went through the same situation together. And even I, Brahm and I, as we do DMS and as we give DMS, you know, God still manages to shine his light on the areas in our hearts that are sick. And it doesn't mean sick in a bad way, but hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so he continually brings us back to expose those areas where we're not really putting our hope and our trust in him. It's really that simple. And so hope deferred on every level. You know, even us as we build a church, the promises that God has given us for our church and for the people. You know, when you see people come in, but you also see people that you actually, actually really fall in love with. You give your heart to them and you watch them leave. You watch new people walk in and you watch old people walk out and it it's hard not to have a little bit of your, your heart taken with you because you want so much for them to grow in what God has for them. And so, you know, even as we do DMS, we're faithful, we keep going, but a weariness can easily come against us. A weariness can easily come, you know, here we go again. Will people actually respond? Will they get the word of God this time? And, uh, and yet again, God begins to say, come on, come on, Brahman Diane, come on. Let me shine the light on where there's hopelessness even in your own hearts. Like none of us are immune to the light of the word of God coming in because hope deferred makes you weary. Hope deferred makes you feel discouraged. Hope deferred makes you feel like a loser. Hope deferred makes you feel ashamed. Hope deferred makes you just feel like you want to give up. Hope deferred causes suicide. Hope deferred causes marriages to break down. Hope deferred causes all sorts of behaviours that people deep down don't really want to do. Hope deferred in life is the most devastating place for our human being to be in, especially when we know our God is the author of hope and the Holy Spirit wants to bring hope into us. Sometimes we look to the wrong places or look in the wrong places to fulfil desire 
because we circumvent simply hoping in God. Uh, James 1, 13, 14, I'll read you the scripture. When tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Isn't that interesting? This is why unless we allow hope to come to hope that comes from God to proceed desire being fulfilled, if we circumvent waiting on God to give us that kind of hope through the word of God, we will try, human beings will try and fulfill that desire themselves. They will try and create their own sense of desire. And so sometimes it's our own evil desire, and we learn all about this. We break all of this down in DMS, and it drags us away. Isn't that an interesting terminology there? He is dragged away. Dragged away from what? That's a good question, isn't it? Dragged away and enticed. Probably dragged away from truth. Dragged away from the purpose of God in, in our life. Dragged away from true good relationships. Yeah? And then it says in verse 15, then after desire has conceived. So desire you know, breeds a little while in our lives, doesn't it? It actually lingers and, and, and it creates our thinking. It, it comes up in our thinking and causes things to shift in our understanding and takes a while for us to mull over thoughts and desire. Remember, it's our own desire. Sin hasn't even entered yet. Then after desire has conceived, it conceives something. Then it gives birth to sin. Then the behavior starts. Then the actions that are based on the wrong belief system start to operate in our lives. And then it is fully grown and it gives birth to death. And that's a devastating place for any human to be in, let alone a Christian. When really all the while we could go back and we could address those evil desires in our own heart and begin to live the life God wants us to. So it starts in us in what we truly want. A second thing that sometimes we try to fulfill desire with knowledge because it makes us feel better about ourselves. Sometimes we think it's the deep, deep mysteries of God. And we heard that just, you know, even in, in what Shaham was just saying. You know, thought it had to be deeper knowledge. And, and sometimes we, we think that that's what's going to make us feel better and feel closer to God and, and truly understand. And that's, that's what I need to know. But see, we've got to be very careful. And don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying knowledge isn't good. You know, I mean, my own husband's doing his master's at Ridley Bible College, one of the best Bible colleges in Australia, and, and I believe he's going to end up doing his PhD, and he might even end up being a Bible college lecturer. Who knows? He's got such a brilliant mind. And um, so I'm not saying that knowledge is not important. It is very important. But it's when we use knowledge for ourselves that it's the problem. Because this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 8 verse 1. We know that we all possess knowledge, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. See, knowledge for knowledge's sake, when it puffs up, it means it's really about us. We make knowledge about us. But see, that's not the operation of the kingdom of God. Everything we do is about others. And love is about others. And that's why God puts his church, his authority, his government here on the earth. 
He puts a family with structure, with order, with leaders, with, with elders, with all sorts of people around that are, are building the, the house of God as the body of Christ. And there'll be people that have uh, a teaching gift and there'll be people that have a prophetic gift and there'll be people who have all the different you know, evangelism and pastors and people, the shepherds that will walk with people for hours on end and days and weeks on end. And he puts all of them together because it's about love. But if we sideline ourselves because all we want to do is be puffed up with knowledge and we we highlight that and idolize that in our lives, we're not really cooperating with how the Holy Spirit wants to do things through the body of Christ here on earth. And so we have to be careful that sometimes, you know, when we have hope deferred and we feel dissatisfied with our own walk, we feel dissatisfied in our lives or our marriages or our workplaces or our colleagues or our families, Sometimes we can, we can try to compensate and build up a desire fulfilled through knowledge that merely puffs up. So this is, this is another area. I mean, there are many ways that we can see how we try and fulfill desire. Whereas really, all we have to do is to die to ourselves and surrender to the purposes of God. And the third thing is, sometimes we try to fulfill, find fulfillment in ministry. And... Uh, and we try and find a sense of worth or desire being fulfilled in a title or an expression of ministry. And it's a very fine line between having a passion to serve God and love his people and it's a very fine line over to the other side where it's about, oh, I need to be used by God so that I feel better as a human being. And when we start to feel like that, when, when we're doing things out of a place of rejection or insecurity or really we just don't like ourselves or we hate, we hate who we are and so we, have to, we, we build up a sense of I'm going to be somebody if I can do something significant for God, that's a really fine line between I just want to let go of everything and serve God and serve God's people. And um, so sometimes, you know, in, in over 40 years, I've seen this and experienced this and, and, to be honest, been challenged with it in my own life. You don't, you don't get to be a, a leader in the body of Christ. You don't get to be a senior pastor or a, or a leader in the, you know, that goes into, even into other churches recognized as a minister in the broader body of Christ. You don't get to do that unless those kind of things have been really driven out of your life and unless you've been really put through the fire by God. You will be tested by God because any person that stands up and ministers and gives out to the people of God, they're standing as a shepherd representing the the shepherd, the true shepherd. And so he wants to make sure that he's got people that represent him well. And that's, we're constantly under, in the firing line by God himself. Don't you worry. People say, who are you accountable to? Well, number one, we're accountable to him. You would not want to be in it. We're going to stand accountable before God. We're going to stand before God and be accountable for your souls. Not to mention all the senior pastors and leaders. And, you know, just this last week we had one of the ACC state pastors text us and say, hey, where have you guys been? Let's catch up for coffee. And we didn't get back to him after four days because we were, you know, morning to night doing DMS. He goes, hey, you guys there? You're out of the country? What's going on? Let's catch up soon. You know, and straight away we've booked him in because we, we stay accountable constantly. We're all watching out for one another. We're submitted to one another because that's what life looks like. But we can't use ministry as something that we gain our fulfillment in, that we, that we, that we have a desire met in us. 
That's not how it works. That is not how it works. And we have to be very careful. Um, you know, there's a, an amazing scripture. and this is a, These are strong scriptures, but I'm going to put it out there, yeah? And one day I want to teach like a series on this kind of stuff because I feel like we have to understand the word of God in this area. But in Acts chapter 8, um, it says uh, at verse 14, Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So think about this. These guys were already born again. The greatest miracle of salvation had happened in their hearts. They'd already been water baptized, but obviously there was something else. And it says they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. Stop and think about that. Was the Holy Spirit already in them for them to be believers? That's not a trick question. The answer is yes. Yeah? So, and yet here it says, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. So this is obviously something separate to the the greatest gift, which is the gift of salvation. Yeah? Now, verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed uh, through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, now think about this. This is Simon the sorcerer. And he's, he's seen something going on and he says, give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So this guy has seen something. And Peter says to him, may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have no part or portion in this matter for your heart is not right before God. Now you might think, wow, I think that's a great thing that somebody's wanting to do great things for God and and be used by God and and, and see an expression of ministry. But clearly here in Acts chapter 8, you know, Peter's realizing that there's something going on here that's not right. And so he says, therefore repent of the wickedness of yours and pray that the Lord, if possible, the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness. And in the bondage of iniquity. I remember reading that once going, God, how did, you, how did Peter go from that? How could he see that? Why? What's the connection of bitterness? Because, of course, I'm preaching on all this stuff by this stage, you know, years ago. And when I read that, I thought, okay, bitterness, judgment, what's going on in this guy? And I realized that this guy was so insecure. If you look back in chapter 8, it actually says in verse 9, Now there was a man named Simon who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. It's right there. And they all, from smallest to greatest, were giving attention to him. The Word of God gives you the clues here, saying this man is what is called the great power of God. And they were giving him attention. There it is again, because he had a long time, for a long time astonished them with his magical arts. And then it goes on to tell us that he actually, you know, believed the preaching of the word of God, got baptized in water. But when you look down and you realize that Peter's now addressing the motive of his heart and saying, I see that you're in the gall of bitterness. When you read back and realize this guy was self-proclaiming his greatness. That is, you know, if he sat in DMS, he would be the prime candidate for God to come in and 
smash off insecurity, spirits of rejection, self-hatred. You know, the list goes on, all the deception versus truth stuff. Like I just feel like saying, Simon, Simon, come down into 2019, sit in DMS, we'll get you free, you know. But you see, when people don't get free of this stuff, because deep down he wanted hope, but he had unforgiveness in his heart. See, and there would have been something in his background. There would have been something in his childhood. There would have been something easily. It goes without say, saying, I can psychoanalyze spiritually what's going on with this guy. There's something in his past that's caused a deep need in him to present himself as, as something great, to cover up his insecurities. You've heard almost every testimony say, you know, I came in thinking about this, that, and the other to DMS. And as I got through DMS, I realized none of those things were important. Did you hear that? Because God starts to go to the very core of our being if we will let him. People who don't want to listen go, nope, I'm not going to let that come in. But if you come in and go, oh God, it hurts so much, but do it in me. He begins to shine his light. The entrance of his word is light. It brings light. And so this guy, it's got such an insecurity in him that he want, he's claiming, he's telling people he's great. Wow. And then, of course, Peter addresses him. So when he sees something, what is it he's seeing? He's, he's obviously seeing something that's beyond salvation and water baptism. He would have heard them praying in tongues. And I can't prove that to you from that scripture, but you come to me afterwards if you question, I can prove it to you from other scriptures. It says what they saw and heard. It talks about what they see and what they hear at the same time with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so... When he saw that, he wanted to do it. Now, on paper, that looks great. Hey, I want to be in ministry. I want to serve God. I want to serve the people of God. But Peter, through the word of knowledge, looked in by the Holy Spirit, could see the motive of this guy's heart, that he actually made it about himself and not about the people of God. And see, in our church, we want to raise true shepherds who aren't hirelings. Hirelings run. And don't care about the sheep. But true shepherds will lay down their lives for the sheep. Because it's not about us. It's about people. And sometimes ministry can become an idol in anyone's life. Because we think we get our, our identity out of some form of ministry. We've got to be careful of what's happening on the inside, don't we? Another scripture that's a really intense one, I'll give it to you anyway. Matthew seven fifteen. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Yeah. Paul was very, 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 very strong. And Jesus was that straight out of the gospels, but Paul in his letters was very strong in warning people. You know, in Acts, I think it's sixteen, he says He's speaking to the elders at Ephesus, I believe, and he's saying, you know, I keep warning you guys, be careful, because God keeps telling me savage wolves are coming in after I leave. They're coming in, they're going to come for you. He protected them while he was there. And, uh, you know, we, the flock of God, the sheep, our little family here, it's very precious to the Lord, just like every other church. And... Um, we were, this is why we're so strong on the word of God because it is a hammer. It does smash. It breaks off mindsets so that we can be free to walk in truth. Let's make sure that the hope that we desire, the hope that we want to walk in, starts with biblical hope based in the word of God. And then, then the fulfillment of desire will come from God 
not from ourselves. Discipleship is a life of surrender and a life of loving God. You know, I, I'm very humbled by what Amanda said today, but also what she said to me last night. She said, I trust you and Brahm. You know, and you sort of think, okay, why? Is it because we preach the word? Is it because the worship in our church is great? Is it because, you know, she's watched us for many years? And you know what she said? I trust you and Brahm because you both love Jesus. Wow. The man who loves God is known by God. Let's be known as a church full of people who love Jesus. What do you reckon? We just love Jesus with everything in our hearts. Awesome. Well, it's been a big week. DMS guys, very proud of you all. We made it, but it's just the beginning. You've got another six months now. And um, all I can say is keep it simple. Keep it simple. It's not knowledge. It's not head knowledge. We need the word of God because the entrance of his word brings light and he revives us according to his word. But it's not knowledge for knowledge's sake. It has to bring us closer to Jesus, yeah? It has to make us more like Jesus in our behavior. You know, don't, don't look for um, fulfillment in ministry, in trying to fill yourselves up with all these other things that don't really make a difference in our lives, that don't really matter. Just love Jesus with all of our hearts, amen? All right, worship team, come on up. Let's finish. We're going to have something to eat, and we're going to pray. Um, let's just finish with one last song. And um, I'm looking forward to what God does in our people over these next few months. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. Let's all stand. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that all week you've been putting your word into us. All week. You've been doing a work in us, Lord. All week your word has been speaking, ministering, delivering us, Father. We truly saw deliverances happen right in front of our eyes, God. And it's been the most incredible privilege to witness that, to watch that, to feel that even in ourselves, Lord. It's been, even for me, Lord, just constantly your word, the the very word that I preach comes back and ministers to me and now I have to obey that very word too, Lord. Help me always to be accountable, Father, to the very thing that I preach about. Lord Jesus, we, we exalt you, we magnify you, God. Father, help us never put creation before the Creator, Lord. Help us to lift our eyes and look at you and keep everything centered in on you, Father. Fill our hearts with wisdom and understanding, Lord, and let us be filled with the love of God for one another. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a great week. We thank you, Lord. It's a a beginning of a journey for for many many of us, Lord Jesus, especially those who did DMS this week and uh, we thank you Lord that your, your Holy Spirit will continue to guide them the spirit of truth will guide them into all the truth and reveal well, the, the truth according to your word and now Father as we wrap up this meeting with every hand lifted up I prophesy in the name of Jesus an outpouring of blessing from heaven Lord over your people as we leave this place we are people marked by the favor of God, Lord Jesus. But this blessing is not going to stop with us. It will flow out of our lives and touch many lives around us, beginning with our family members, our neighbors, 
our friends at school at, and uh, uh, everywhere else at the office, our, our business clients, business partners. Everybody will be blessed, Lord, because we are people purchased by the blood of Jesus. Amen.